You're listening to episode 66 of the ESL teaching podcast. I know a lot of teachers work with mixed proficiency classes where they have newcomers and higher level students all at the same time. And this makes for challenging planning, classroom management, and everything in between. And with the school year winding down, it gets even trickier. So today I wanted to revisit an episode that I shared quite a while ago where I talk about three types of activities that work really well in a mixed proficiency classroom. And at the end of the episode, I will share with you how you can implement those activities to save yourself time and finish the year strong. So without further ado, let's get started. Welcome to the ESL Teaching Podcast. I'm your host, Yeva Grossless, otherwise known as Simply Yeva, and I am so thankful that you tuned in. I'm looking forward to sharing both my knowledge and experience on this podcast, as well as that of my fellow teachers. Hello, hello, everyone. Last week, I talked about setting up your mixed proficiency level classes for success. Determining your students' needs was key, and so was deciding on your classroom routines. Today, I want to chat about the activities that you can use in your mixed proficiency classes and share some of the things that I discovered last school year and what I am implementing this year. Now, planning ahead is key no matter what your teaching situation is. Planning ahead for mixed proficiency classes might be a tad bit more involved, but don't worry. Questions like, okay, if I want the students to do X, how am I going to achieve it with both newcomers and level threes might be in your head, but let's slow down a little bit and let's get into this. I already mentioned that all students need to work on vocabulary enrichment and all four language domains. And once you have that in mind, you can then focus on a topic a little more and feel like you're getting somewhere with both your newcomers and level threes, right? So what activities work well for mixed proficiency classes? And uh, I wanted to share three that have become easier for me and uh, that my students have grown to like. So the first one is choice boards. Uh, You may have heard uh, about me talking about choice boards in one of my other episodes. Uh, You may have read an article that I wrote on my website about choice boards or um, heard about them somewhere else, but I just wanted to go over it. What is a choice board? So it is a type of an organizer that allows the student to choose their own way of studying a concept. Now, you've probably seen grids with lots of activities for practicing spelling in elementary school or writing activities for both elementary and secondary grades. Typically, a choice board asks students to complete activities or answer questions, and there is a freedom in the way they can choose to do it, okay? So depending on how many total activities you have, you can have students choose three, four, or more to complete over a certain period of time. Now, choice boards can be used in all subject areas, and they are used in all subject areas, and they can be adapted to any grade level. So this is a fantastic, flexible activity. 
It is also a great creative way for a teacher to think about and engage multiple intelligences, intelligences of their students. For example, you might include reading an article and the students would demonstrate understanding by writing a summary, by drawing, by labeling something, maybe creating a video response or even an audio response. So the choice boards that I use in my classroom have fewer activities so as not to overwhelm the students. And uh, I have five activities in total on the choice board, and I typically ask the students to complete any four. So why I use cho choice boards? As an EL teacher, I have to grade my students at the high school. For so long, I have had such a hard time grading my mixed proficiency level classes, um, it was really hard to determine, you know, what is it they're doing? It's also, you know, it's not like uh, I'm supporting them in the curriculum, in their regular curriculum, I'm building their language, but it's not, I have to create all of the activities myself. But having a choice board allows me to tweak it to the students' needs and the students know grading expect uh, expectations ahead of time, right? So I have a few examples that I want to share with you of how I use choice boards. So as I mentioned earlier, my students need certain things and chances are your students need similar things too. So first, instructional vocabulary. They need to understand what the academic language of the classroom is, what the teacher is asking them to do on their assignments in regular classes and how to answer questions in a more sophisticated way or write more complex and accurate sentences. So I pull vocabulary from their content areas and create vocabulary choice board. For example, one activity which I typically ask all the students to complete is a vocabulary slides where they have a list of this week's words and they would write definitions, include pictures. If they need translations, they can add those. Um, they can see how those words can be used in the sentence. So basically doing some word uh, work with those words. And then I have a variety of activities for them to practice and to choose from. Um, they must be complete, uh, you know, they must complete three or four before, let's say, Friday. Okay, so if I assign a choice board on Monday, they do uh, the vocabulary slides, uh, you know, everybody does the vocabulary slides, and all the rest of the activities are due by Friday. So the activities might look like creating a Kahoot and sharing it with me, and then we can play the Kahoot in class. It can be recording a video of themselves using several particular words words or all the words in their speaking about a picture, or maybe they can simply read their own sentences uh, so that they can hear their own voice and pronunciation and become more confident in speaking. Um, it can be creating a story. Um, it can be putting sentences together. It can be working with a partner. So all of these are listed on a choice board and the students can choose which one to do which day. I also have created a writing choice board and we all need writing, right? So some of my students need a refresher on how to write a paragraph while others need to expand on their sentences. So the activities are tailored so they can choose as well. And the same goes for grammar, reading and any other areas. I typically assign a choice board as a weekly assignment, which gives them a lot of freedom 
but it also requires good time management. So there are other ways you can do it. So I have also asked students uh, to choose an activity from a choice board and then work on it for the first 20 minutes of the class. Uh, it kind of works like a bell ringer and it also uh, lets me see the students, you know, actually are working on it. They have the ability to ask questions or, uh, you know, share comments and so on. And you can also have the students work on activities at the end of the class, especially if you have early finishers or anything else you are working on. Now, I have a whole episode on using choice boards in the classroom, and it is episode number four. So take a listen to that to get even more ideas because I go into greater detail there as well. And also I share all of my choice boards with the members inside the ESL teaching roadmap curriculum membership. And I also have video there with ideas on how to use them in the classroom showing different tweaks. So uh, check out the ESL teaching roadmap curriculum membership in the show notes. Now, the second activity is called Habits of Mind. I don't know if I can call it that, but the Habits of Mind is a poster that I use with my students. Over the past couple of years, I, and I know I'm not alone, all educators have noticed a significant shift in student response, engagement, and behavior. So, Think about it. There are so many distractions out there. And as adults, we sometimes have a hard time distinguishing what's what. Kids, especially after spending a year of remote learning, have yet to regain the ability to function in a school in a way that we often expect them to. When you can reach for your phone at any time or ask Google any question and get immediately rewarded with an answer only to get distracted by the next shiny object, that is no place to learn or retain information. So the activity that I have started implementing this year with my middle and high school students is a do now question. It's not exactly a new idea and a lot of teachers do this, uh, but I wanted to share with you how I do it. When, uh, when the students come into the classroom, I usually have a daily slide up on the projector and on it in bright yellow background, I have some sort of action for them to do. Um, it's called do now. So um, it could be a question that they can answer in a Google Classroom. It could be a group question that they can do in Google in the Jamboard. Um, it could be a journal entry. It could be anything of the sort. Um, so at the middle school, I keep it simple. I have a list of questions that help us all get to know each other and build classroom community. So um, I ask those. And uh, the questions are you know, simple, like, uh, for example, you know, what superpower would you choose if you could? This is the, the sort of questions for now. Um, obviously, as the year goes uh, on, I would probably tweak them and also, you know, seeing my students' abilities and interest. So I have assigned journal notebooks to the students. They got to choose their colors. And as soon as they come into the classroom, I ask them to sit down, look at the slide, do now, and they write to answer the questions. Newcomers, you know, anybody can write any which way they want, okay? So 
but newcomers can write a word or two. Uh, they can use a translate if they need to at this point. They can draw a picture. They can, you know, do a diagram. High beginners uh, and up, you know, can write more. Uh, sometimes they include a lot of information, sometimes not. But the point is to kind of like calm down after the transition, get into the learning mode and to know the consistency of this activity. Sometimes students want to share what they wrote. Sometimes they don't. It's not necessarily a big deal. But the do now activity kind of like provides that transition into the classroom and kind of, you know, like the EL classroom is not always taken seriously. So this helps them see that we do work here and not, you know, dilly-dally. Now, at the high school, the questions are a tad bit different, okay? So the students are older, and uh, even freshmen are able to answer deeper questions. Now, I pull the questions from my high schoolers from two places. The first one is our conversations. I get inspired by our conversations, and uh, I try to listen as much as I can to what my students need. So uh, last week, we literally, in our conversations, success and failure were the topics, topics, so I ask them on the do now slide, what does success look like for you? Or what is uh, failure, for example, it was really interesting to see that some students uh, respond, you know, seriously, take the question seriously and think it through. Some students don't know what it means. And some students, uh, you know, kind of like you can tell they regurgitate what has been told to them. So uh, these are thinking activities perfect for language practice. And the second um, idea, the ideas that I, the second place where I get my ideas is something that our principal shared with us, uh, Habits of Mind. It's a poster, uh, but there's a whole website that I'm going to link um, in the show notes. So let's think about it. If we want to achieve certain goals, what do we need? Okay. And the habit of minds are things like persistence, uh, inquisitiveness, like managing impulsivity, questioning, posing problems, uh, applying past knowledge to new scenarios. These are all of the things that a good learner needs to have in order to move forward, okay? So there's a website, habitsofmindinstitute.org. And as I mentioned, I'm going to link it in the show notes. And maybe you can take a look and see, you know, with your older students that you can use it and even apply it to uh, younger students. I, ha I have no doubt this would be very useful. So the reason I include uh, these habits of mind in the lesson is to help students see how they can take charge of their own learning. You know, uh, we teachers, you know, we, we remind, we demonstrate, we model, we do all the things. But in the end, at some point, the, the students need to meet us halfway. So the first activity that I mentioned in this episode is choice boards, right? And last year, I noticed that even though it's a fantastic way to get students working on language, some of my students were able to manage their times better, time better than others. Some of them immediately became overwhelmed with all the things they needed to do, whereas others could plan their time out. Uh, some students would give up after the first obstacle, while others would seek out help. So these are the things um, I had those in mind, and I was wondering how we can practice language and learn self-management at the same time. So the do now uh, for my high school mixed proficiency level class is simply a daily question. Uh, what would help me do this activity? Or what do I need to focus on while working on my homework? Or what uh, 
habit of mind can I pull on when doing a choice board or something like that? So I use Jamboard for the students to answer the questions on sticky notes and I, uh, it creates a, a beautiful frame for the lesson. We all know what is needed and then, you know, we can all create that thing. Uh, students have a discussion, so it's, it's writing, speaking and vocabulary practice for all. And the third activity that works well in the mixed proficiency classroom is projects. Again, it might take some time for you to think about, sit down and think and plan it out. Uh, but projects are really good for mixed proficiency level classes because they can be tailored and adapted to different levels. So at the start of the school year, I gave my students a questionnaire where one of the questions was, what would you like to improve on or work on this year the most? And believe it or not, quite a few said that they would like to improve their speaking and delivering presentations. That was a surprise to me, but also I, I was very uh, su pleasantly surprised, right? So I thought to myself, having a project for them to work on will give so much more meaning to all the things they want to accomplish and boost their confidence because some of them say that, you know, they need to practice more speaking and um, kind of like doing presentations pushes them out of the comfort zone. So every year I assign students to a project to share with the school about their countries. This is kind of part of the World Language Week. And every year it is extremely out of their comfort zone because, you know, we have to get all the obstacles out. You know, I'm not good enough. Maybe my accent is not right or whatever. So I have those who absolutely refuse to deliver a presentation in front of their native speaker peers, and that is fine. They can do a presentation among all of us and others are stressed but excited to take the challenge. So either way, this project is a profound experience for all because they talk about it and ask about it every year. Yes, with anxiety, but also with excitement. And but thinking about it, the project does not have to be just about the students' countries and languages. Um, I have noticed that many students who start school in the U.S. have a lot of knowledge in certain subject areas, but at the same time, they may be lacking in what has been taught here throughout the years, right? So uh, that they weren't in school here. So it can include, uh, for example, some historic periods that keep like recurring in different subject areas. For example, slavery, Great Depression, Civil War, etc. Uh, this can be found in both history and literature. Uh, it could be, let's say, catching up on certain short stories or, you know, like determining different genres of literature. So these in themselves already provide some topics for uh, a little bit of research, a little bit of, uh, you know, creating a project. Now, when I say project, it sounds like a big undertaking, but it can be as elaborate or as tiny as you want it to be. So for example, um, assigning a reading about immigration in the early 20th century, right? And creating a five to 10 slide presentation to the class could be a mini project. Um, you can assign TED Talks to groups or pairs and then giving them time to prepare a multimedia projects. So that would be a group work and you can group students any which way you like, uh, you know, whether higher proficiency with the same level or maybe you want the newcomers, you know, uh, working with the higher proficiency levels. It's totally up to you. Um, one of my favorite projects is a unit on fairy tales. Both young and older students can relate to the topic because every culture has stories that pervade national character. 
They reveal perception of the world that might be unexpected to others. So fairy tales is, uh, again, great for all uh, age groups. You just have to think about how to present it and what exactly is the goal for your students uh, that you want to achieve. So for those who need to practice speaking, you know, include a speaking component. Uh, but projects typically address all of the language domains and also help students utilize their newly learned vocabulary. So in the end, a common topic or a theme or a project unites the mixed proficiency level class and allows you to use varied grouping settings, okay? So the beginner level students are exposed to vocabulary and language that they may not otherwise know. And uh, this also allows more proficient students to take responsibility and act as peer tutors. So I hope you found these uh, tips for activities for mixed proficiency level uh, classes useful. So the first one was choice boards, and I went over what the choice boards are and how you can use them. The second one was habits of mind, which actually helps the students um, be, become aware of their own ways of learning and what they can do to build their learning muscle. And the third one is using projects in the mixed proficiency level classes. And as mentioned at the start of the episode, I have something that will help you reclaim that time and finish the school year strong. I'm talking about an essential lesson plan bundle. No fluff, just done for you and easy to implement lessons that can be reused and adapted to your classroom. I created it to simplify your life and for you to have something that you can refer to over and over again, whether it's the beginning of the school year or the end of the school year or somewhere in between. So here are some of the things that you will find inside it. I have included three choice boards, a weekly choice board, a vocabulary choice board, and a writing one, uh, three short story lessons, uh, how to write a paragraph, lesson and practice, how to write a thesis statement, again, lesson and practice. This is something that uh, any student in uh, high school especially can benefit from. I also have two short movie lessons with emphasis on literary elements. And, uh, you know, all lessons can be adapted to mixed level classes with both newcomers and level threes and up. And since at the time of this recording, um, it is end of the school year for most of us, I also included end of the year activities that will help both you and your students reflect on the year and practice everything they had learned. Now, all of the lessons were created in Google Docs and really can be easily used with tech tools of your preference, whether it's Canva, Pear Deck, or you can simply print them out. And that is all for today. I hope you found this episode useful. And uh, again, make sure to check out that Essential Lesson Plan Bundle. It really has been a time saver for me and many, many other teachers over and over again. I will link all of the resources mentioned in this episode right inside the show notes so you can access them easily, the episodes that I mentioned, as well as the resources. Let us know what you thought of this episode. We always, always love to hear from our listeners. Do you work with mixed proficiency classes? What activities have worked for you? What are your suggestions? What tips do you want to share with others? Uh, we listen, we take note, and... Uh, we will definitely make sure to share it out with the world. You can leave a review wherever you listen to the ESL teaching podcast, or you can send me a message on Instagram. 
As you know, my mission is to help as many teachers of English learners as possible and make your life easier by providing you with actionable teaching tips, ready-made resources, and meaningful coaching. Thank you for listening, and until next time. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. If you loved what you heard today, be sure to do two things. First, make sure to subscribe to the ESL Teaching Podcast so you don't miss an episode. And second, leave a positive review wherever you listen, on iTunes, Spotify, or any other platform. Positive reviews will improve the chances of this podcast to be discovered in the feed and help our fellow ESL ELL teachers. And of course, there's a third thing. If you aren't following me on social media yet, Come join me on Instagram at SimplyYevaESL, Facebook SimplyYeva, or connect with me on my website, SimplyYeva.com. Thanks again, and until next time.